This is the deconversion podcast, and we talk about a lot of different things, but mm -hmm. I want to get to the roots okay. of who we are, what we're all about, mm -hmm. our bread and butter, our foundation, mm -hmm. deconversion. Yes. And so what I'd like to do today mm -hmm. is we're going to play clips of Pillars of Why I Left Religion. Okay. And I want to get into the meaty, the grindstone. I want to get into why you truly left religion. We've gone around it. We've talked about it. You've shared Issues, different stories, all that fun stuff. but we're going to, we're going to jump into it. Okay. There are over 4,000 recognized religions in the world. Which one are you leaving? Why are you deconverting? Welcome to the deconversion podcast, where we explore the experiences and challenges of deconverting from religious faith. We are here to discuss and explore this topic and help you on your journey to living an authentic life. Good morning, Tim. You got to count us off, man. That's not how oh. we do this. Yeah, Get your tea. Take a tea. sip. How do we podcast? <laughs> All right. Mm. Get our voices back. Three, two, one. Hey, Isaac. We're still alive. <laughs> Did you miss the sound of my voice while my voice was gone? Oh, my God, dude. It's been a rough two weeks. That's what a new restaurant opening will do to my voice. You were you were like a shell of yourself. I went somewhat full sociopath. I know. I, it's, it's, it, was a, it was a wild experience. I feel so much better now that I've been – I've been let go, people. <laughs> From my place of okay, okay, my so, place of business. So, so first of all, be careful. I have a lot of contracts. For, first of all, uh, we want to say hi to everybody. Sorry, we missed two weeks. We initially were just taking one for a little bit of a break because we were busy, and then Isaac went down with couldn't speak, lost his voice, completely gone, wasn't feeling good, and killing himself at this restaurant. And then I was okay, but I was a little under the weather, but I've been commuting to San Antonio for my training, and I've just been out of it too. So we're back. Things have settled down a little bit. We're both feeling good now. Yep. Your voice is back for the most part. It squeaks every once in a while. Yeah. That's uh I'm just going through the change. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. So let's catch up. I'm becoming a man. <laughs> <laughs> let's catch everybody up. Let's give everybody an update like where we're at and then we'll and then we'll roll into today's episode. So yeah, what happened, Isaac? All right. And we have to be a little bit careful because we're not gonna throw people under the bus and shit. No, but, no, and but there's we'll... no reason for it. Okay. What's five plus five? Last time I checked, it was 10. What's 5 times 2? 10. What's 8 plus 2? 10. What's 6 plus 4? I think I, uh, it's pretty redundant, but that would be 10. What's 20 divided by 2? I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. So the point is you can get to 10 a lot of different ways. And uh -huh. let's say that 10 is success. Mm -hmm. And I have full confidence that the place that I was working is going to be successful. And... You just you get the tin in a few different ways, and I think that the way I was going to get the tin, and the way other people wanted me to get the tin, did not. Uh, I'll align. say, I'll align. That's a that so, is about the kindest way you could have put that for anybody, and I think that's why we'll keep it for the podcast. But I've been along for the ride, so well. And so anyway, so I'm excited about all future success, and I'm mm -hmm. excited about how they will get the tin. And I'm going to get to 10 in a different area of life. Sure. I am feeling more myself, which is nice. And mm -hmm. yeah, I'm not a very good employee. 
<laughs> yeah, I know you're uh, not. You're a good leader. You're not a good employee. Yeah, yeah. So there's some opportunities there, maybe. I don't think so. I'm a pretty good employee, too. The long and short of this, everybody, is that Isaac is back full time on the Deconversion Podcast. Yes. And, God. <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to hit the – so, yeah, so I decided we're, I'm just going to hit this project full time. The Deconversion Therapy Network is yes. what we finally went with, right? Yes, that's the final name for it's it. It's looking good. Yeah, Leah's done some fantastic work on the website, and we have that. Everything has went into a holding pattern here while we weren't feeling good, and you were re-squaring everything away. But <clears throat> we've got all kinds of cool stuff rolling on that, and it's looking more and more like that's going to be get rolled out over the next month and a half. Yeah, We've been talking to therapists and doing that aspect of it. And so, If you're a listener and you want to see a sneak peek... The bones are up. Yeah, the the bones of the website are up. You can go look at it if you want to. It's all placeholder stuff right now because we're still in the onboarding phase. Yeah. But yeah, that's all there. And then the guide is is finished. We've got little things to do with it. I know we've been talking about it for a long time. It's just been a lot of little things and polishing and things to get done here at the end. And then what are we podcasting about today? I had no, I have yeah. no idea. I just showed up. You were like, we're podcasting. We're podcasting. I, like, okay. I have a game plan. I have documentaries for us, but we had decided that would be a little much for this week. We were yeah. like, I'm documentaried out. Yeah. Leah's got some dark ones picked out for us too. Yeah. So. so here's where we're at. Ladies and gentlemen, we got a good episode today. This is the deconversion podcast and we talk about a lot of different things, but mm-hmm. I want to get to the roots okay. of who we are, what we're all about, mm-hmm. our bread and butter, our foundation. Mm-hmm deconversion yes and so what i'd like to do today mm-hmm. is we're going to play clips of pillars of why i left religion okay and i want to get into the meaty the grindstone i want to get into why you truly left religion we've gone around it we've talked about it you've shared Issues, different stories fun stuff. but we're gonna we're gonna jump into it okay so i'm pretty excited about that so for the listener, we have the deconversion guide, mm-hmm. which I think we can put a link if you want to. If you want to early sign up, yes, we've we, got the early sign up for it, and we're looking to finish the web page, and then it's going to go live yeah. here shortly. So anyone who wants it, just message us. We mm-hmm. we got it. I think we already have. There's probably thirty or thirty five people that have been on there looking at it. Yeah. And stuff. So <laughs> let's jump into it. Okay? okay. So we went through the guide. And we talked about reasons why you left religion. Yes. And we came up with doing this idea of some pillars or main, the main reasons that I left. Yeah. So I'm going to play the first video of that section for everybody. Okay. And then I want to get into it. Okay. You ready? Sounds great. And we'll link the videos in the description and we'll play an audio one here for the actual podcast. Yeah. Here we go. Okay, so I'm going to start each of these pillars of why I left with an example or story so we can gain some common ground on the importance of each. My first pillar is the importance of truth. Now, can you imagine a moment or moments where the truth mattered to you? I would imagine you're thinking, what? When does the truth not matter? It always matters. So yes, the answer is yes, the truth matters. I think there are few of us, believers or not, who would say there are moments where the truth doesn't matter to them. It's always at the forefront of our minds. None of us want to be lied to or deceived. Let's do a thought experiment. Imagine you were buying a car and the seller insisted the car was in fantastic shape. 
Would you trust him blindly, or would you attempt to verify his claim? I imagine most of you would at least like to test drive it, maybe look under the hood, maybe even look at a car report to see if it has ever been in an accident before. The truth is something we seek and attempt to verify in most situations like this. So why is it that we don't do this towards religion or faith? I think most feel that they do, but they don't do it in the same way as our above example. In the car example, we are applying critical thought and verifying through evidence the claim of the seller. If you considered faith or religion as a product and your parents or pastor as the seller, what critical analysis have you done on the product? My answer to that question was none, quickly followed by why not? The truth matters after all, right? As a side note for those of you deconverting, this example is a great tool that I've used to explain my reasons for questioning religion. Be sure to add it to your toolbox. I still have so, a hard time listening to myself on those. Really? Oh, yeah. That's so funny. <sighs> so when I was watching that and I was uh -huh. thinking about this podcast, I wanted to go back to when you were in that deconversion process. And did you, maybe as a kid or a teenager, young adult, was what your parents said, was that the truth? Yeah. Like, just period? Yeah. It, if you think about it, it's like – when you're a kid, and it depends on what type of parents that you get, everyone has a different experience. For the most part, I had no reason to distrust anything that my parents were telling me. They weren't intentionally leading me astray or doing anything like that. So I think that we all, again, depending on our situations, have people who we trust in our life to the extent that we just completely don't even consider the possibility of them lying to us about anything. Or feed, let's not make it so nefarious as lying. Let's just say feed us false information. So that's that's blind trust. Or at least information they believe to be true. Yes, exactly. So religion really grows and thrives within that environment. Whereas what I discussed in the video, which is you remove yourself and you look at this a little bit differently, you treat it like a product. It doesn't thrive as well when critical thought and application gets, gets targeted at it. It just isn't going to do as well. That was a big realization for me where it was like, when I looked at people who had a strong influence on my life and had the realization, these people are flawed. And if I can make mistakes, they can make mistakes. And I am responsible for myself trying not to make those. But am I making poor decisions because of me presuming that what they fed me was true? Because I, I didn't do any critical analysis of what had been passed down. And that's where I got to this. Oh, you've got to, when, I think when you grow up, you have to turn your critical eye to information that you have taken for granted as being just true and double check it because things change. And just because you trusted somebody doesn't mean that they can't feed you false information. When did you start questioning things? Was it, I'm curious, what came first for you? And obviously this is hard to remember, but which one is more prevalent for you during your deconversion process? Mm -hmm. Was it the truth matters, therefore I'm going to apply critical thought to all of these things? Mm -hmm. Or was it, man, I'm starting to apply critical thought to these things. And through that process, I came to a realization that truth matters. 
probably a combination of both of those because I was already in my studies and everything that I was doing, I always felt like I valued the truth. I was always looking for it, even if it was uncomfortable, but it was the realization that the, the stuff that really broke down religion for me was the fact that there was no factual things to back it up. When I started being and it's and that's really weird and in opposition. So many of the people that we talk to, a lot of the questioning faith and stuff now is behavioral. It's they don't like the behavior of the church. I don't like the behavior of my loved ones. Why are they acting this way? Why are they embracing certain political ideologies? Why are they doing? There's all these other reasons that people are starting to question religion, and it has to do with behavioral stuff. For me, it was as simple as. This sounds fishy, and I've thought that this book is true. Let me go see if there's some more stuff to back this up. I've always been told there was good evidence. There's good evidence for the flood, right? There's good evidence for Noah's Ark or for what whatever it was. And as I went through and started reading the Bible and realizing that this was all hearsay, there isn't good scientific evidence. There isn't anything. All the Christian science, if you will. Once I learned what real science was, the actual application, the actual process of the scientific method, and why we should have value in that, how it prevents us from making errors, once I developed my respect for that, and that came out of studying criminology, when I went back to study religion and the Bible and then look for good evidence, the first place I ran to was Christian science and a lot of the stuff that they put forward as being science. And that's where I got into conflict because I started realizing what is propped up as Christian science and the scientific method over there doesn't match the scientific method that is applied in all these other places. I really got sucked into to Christian science. Yeah. It's because I remember one person good. telling me, hey, in the Red Sea, there's a lot of Egyptian armor and chariots and weaponry and how did a horse and chariot get to the middle of the Red Sea? And I remember hearing that just from a person mm-hmm. and going, that's a closed deal. Yeah. It, you it, know, that and, there it is, the Moses part of the Red Sea. And that's confirmation bias. And we get primed for that, especially if you're raised in a church, you're around a family that you trust that's reinforcing these ideas. The moment you hear some evidence like that, you just run with it. You don't question it. You just run with it because it confirms what you already believe to be true. And confirmation bias, we've talked about that at absurdum on here, and everybody should know it by now. But that's one of the other things when I was in this process, since we're talking about this video and my initial deconversion, running into confirmation bias all the time, all the time. Once I understood what that was and developed the ability to identify when it was happening, when I could just completely and clearly see how an author or a debater or whoever it was, was only accepting the evidence for their position while completely dismissing the evidence that would counterpoint their position. And that was a big one for me, definitely, in that process. And I think I dedicated a red flag to confirmation bias in the guide. That's another video. So So let's jump into Pillars of Why I Left, and it's come up with the Christian science, uh is what is good evidence and what is poor evidence. Luckily, we have videos for that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to play 
for everybody, mm -hmm. the poor evidence video. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good one to pair with it because the first pillar of why I left was the importance of truth. And I think yeah. I, that kind of got that in our video was I just like, I cared about what was true. And I realize, especially I have the, the capacity now to realize that finding truth is really difficult. Nobody's going to have a complete... Well, corner on the truth. And truth is so subjective and the truth can change. Yes, exactly. But I still really value it and seeking truths that are objectively true, which really can only be done within the realms of science and so forth. That stuff to me, I think is very important. And, and so that was a very important pillar. When I realized how much religion fiddles with truth, that was affected me and, and contributed to my deconversion. So. Right, well, so let's, let's talk about good evidence versus bad it, evidence yeah. as part of that. Yeah. Let's do All it. Right, let's play the next is. video. So let's discuss these three critical elements to good evidence, starting with tangibility. Tangible means that the evidence must be physical, measurable, and viewable. A great example of tangible evidence would be a firearm at a crime scene. The next would be reproducibility which is the ability for something to be recreated. A mathematical formula or a recipe for a meal is a good example of this idea. Finally, we have falsifiability, which is an essential element of the scientific method. The concept goes like this. When a hypothesis or an idea is proposed, there should be a competing hypothesis that could show that the original is false. An example is present within the theory of gravity. Gravity states that there is a force that pulls us down. We can consistently observe an apple falling from the tree, but we could, in theory, see the opposite. If the apple doesn't fall, it falls up instead. This requirement of falsifiability creates an environment within the scientific community where ideas are constantly challenged and must stand against criticism to be accepted as true. Technically, even today, certain things could be observed to show the theory of gravity to be false. This concept of falsifiability requires some study to firmly grasp, but it is relatively straightforward and a critical element to good evidence. I'm so much better spoken when I have time to write things down. <laughs> yeah. And you have a director yelling at me. I have a director you. yelling at me. <laughs> With a teleprompter. Yeah. <laughs> so the first thing that I think about when watching that video is that video and that content Mm -hmm. obviously you articulated what you feel like is good evidence, but that's not how you thought about evidence as a kid or no. a teenager, a young adult. Like when did that type of thought process for you start to happen? Was it because of deconversion or was it, which one came first? The, the chicken or the egg? Was mm -hmm. it criminology? And then it, was, it left. It was, it was criminology because Criminology teaches that pretty straightforward. And then when I, as I was deconverting those subjects and those concepts of tangible, recreatable, falsifiable, keep presenting themselves in different ways. Like when I read Lawrence Krauss and when I, you know, read Dawkins and all those guys, they all reference that kind of stuff, especially when they're talking about the scientific method. And those really stuck with me, man. I was like, it's just, and so many people don't think about those types of things. I've, I've told you here recently that if I were to run into like somebody running for office, I don't think I would try and get into a controversial argument with them. But one of the things I would ask them is how do you judge a good idea from a bad idea and then see how they respond? Because for me, 
how you judge a good idea from a bad idea is directly related to how you understand science, the world around you, concepts like that one regarding evidence. Because listen, those are high standards, okay? We were joking a second ago because we saw the we were watching the video of the Pastor Greg Locke raving about the Starbucks cups. I studied it. I studied it. <laughs> yeah, he does this thing. I studied it. And I'm like, it's witchcraft. It's, I studied it. It's I'm 1,000% <laughs> sure. <laughs> Don't dude, you just need to be 100% sure? No, I'm 1,000. No. I studied it. But it's, yeah, that just absolutely gets me because it's so funny because that's what so many people do right now. They say, I studied it. And listen, I'm open to vulnerabilities on this too. We both are. It would be foolish to think otherwise with the internet. But you go and watch stuff and watch a video or, or you do a handful of things. It is not equivalent to what we're talking about here with scientific method, okay? You can't. You can't go and do that and cure cancer. If you're going to cure cancer, you have to, you're going up against the gauntlet. That thing I said at the end of the video is probably one of the most important things about science and how everything works today from our vaccines to our discoveries to work on like advanced technology, like all the space program stuff, everything that we're doing is that if people have an idea and they think this is how something works, especially when we're on unknown territory in the field of science, you wade into the area of peer review, which means if you say something and your data says, hey, this works this way, everyone's coming for you because everyone wants to be right. And if your stuff is correct, it has to stand up to the criticism, especially when we're talking about stuff like regarding like drugs and things where people's lives hang in the balance. You want that level of criticism when a new we not to wade into too much of the weeds, but just think about like pharmaceuticals and stuff. You don't want drugs that have one company saying, hey, if you use this drug, it's great. It's going to do things good for you. You know, it, 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 it relieves your pain. Ah, oh, it's not that addictive. You want everyone else to go in and be like, hold on a second. It is addictive. It's horribly addictive. That's the whole point of that peer review right. and falsifiability is that you, it, things get attacked like that. And I think that's brilliant. That makes sense. That's not something that happens in religion. Ironically, we have like religions that all split off into different sects and do their own thing, but they all justify themselves. They don't have an outside check i thought about two things when watching that video the first thing that i thought about was like you had said you had learned about this in college when you're getting your criminology degree and that's really a big time when a lot of people start leaving the church yeah and it's interesting to hear certain religious leaders talk about how going off to school and the t- oh yeah and, they and, demonize it before it even happens and a lot of times you're going to go learn how to think right yeah you ought to be scared we go learn how to think and i think that's a great example of that yeah and the other thing that really comes to light when watching uh, that video is the ability to withhold or withstand criticism man the religion does not play that game. No, it can't stand it. So sensitive. Extremely sensitive. I, I'm going to throw this out there for some of our listeners and so forth. Is just that, especially regarding the guide, and because it's going to come out there, it's going to be out in the ether here soon. 
<laughs> heaven, already help, heaven help me. We actually have 160 and people I, watching. And it. I really tried to keep it very rooted. I tell my personal story and like what I experienced, and I tried to keep it very human and not let it turn into just a logical thing the whole time. But I, I do one of the other things I felt really strongly about when we were developing that and when we put it out. Right now, the atmosphere with the people I talk to regarding this podcast, the atmosphere for deconversion right now is very rooted in people's emotions. Everybody's, and I can speak from my own experience, people are hurt, people are pissed off, people are sad about the way things are going, disappointed in people's behavior. I said a little bit earlier that a lot of people are leaving because they don't like behavior. It's a very emotional reason why people are leaving religion. And while I recognized all of that, a lot of my deconversion was very, I'm a very, I'm just that type A personality. I'm very logical. I'm very cut and dry. I was like, is either true or it's not. And I'm analytical and I love to read. And I meet so many people that their heart's in the right place and they're leaving for the right reasons, because some of this stuff is wrong. The behavior is wrong. The actions are wrong. They're, the injustice of it is is wrong. And I want to grab some of those people because I feel like there's a void there for them to also realize that you're not just leaving because of the behavior of people or because you just don't like it. There's a good reason to not believe this stuff literally for any reason. There's good logical reasons that this isn't true. There's good reasons to not believe this way, to think differently, to apply your rational thought differently. And uh, there are good reasons to change. And I felt like with the guide, I wanted it to at the heart of the guide to have that motivation of empowering people with knowledge to know that not only is it good that you left because your morality wouldn't let you stay, but you have all of the ground to stand on to leave also because this stuff is bullshit. And there's good reasons to think that it's bullshit and there are better ways to think and there's better information out there. And I felt like that, especially when we're in here and we're talking about evidence when we talk about like red flags and the other technical things that I get into in that guide, I felt like that was one of the things I wanted to do with it was to empower people to realize beyond just their emotional feelings, which are not wrong, that there's good reasons not to believe this shit. Yeah, exactly. Let's get in. So we talked about what good evidence is. Yeah. Let's watch that video on bad evidence. Let's do it. The second pillar of why I left religion is poor evidence. So let's once again go back to our thought experiment where you were buying a car. So would you take the salesperson at his word that the car is good to go? Or would you be skeptical? What if he presented you with a handwritten note signed by the previous owner stating the car is in good shape? What if he said he had prayed over the car and it was now in perfect working order because God fixed it? Okay, I get that's a little much, but all joking aside, this is exactly the kind of evidence people use to justify their religious beliefs. God spoke to me. The Bible said so. I felt God's presence, etc. This is not good evidence based in reality. This is poor evidence in every other sense, and it's more based in feeling than rationality. 
As I said in our previous section, evidence for me must meet a higher standard. So that one was quick and short. The next video is faith-based evidence, which mm -hmm. we'll get into faith-based evidence. But it, it's very much true. We do fall into the trap, and we've talked about this a lot, of our life decisions and our beliefs come from one man who speaks every Sunday yeah, yeah at our church, or, or, or one woman that speaks at less churches mm -hmm. every Sunday. And I think because maybe we grew up in it, or we have our community confirmation mm -hmm. bias, it's just too easy to blindly just accept that I studied it. <laughs> I studied it. Yeah. Ministers and no matter who it is that's invoking the religious authority over you, they depend on your inability to question what, where they're coming from or what's going on. They depend upon your trust because if they break trust with you or power or yeah, or that's right. a whole thing as well. But if they lose that somehow, their stuff falls apart really quick. And so, you know, when you think about poor evidence, hearsay is considered like one of the least valuable forms of evidence. I was trying to explain that to a, a coworker the other day was that the, the least valuable form of evidence is eyewitness testimony because we are so prone to flaws in that. And, and that that's something that everyone should be aware of. It's like when somebody tells you a story that is like the most unreliable situation you could ever be in. Especially because like, they're telling it from their perspective, uh -huh. their viewpoint, what they recognize Subjectivity. is important. Yeah. Exactly. All that kind of stuff. And so much of that evidence does come from that. Like I believe in God because I had a spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. Like I prayed, give me a sign. And then I saw a shooting star. Yeah. See, and one of the things that I would throw out there, like when I deconverted, it wasn't so much that, listen, we make decisions off of that kind of stuff all the time. We make decisions based off of subjective evidence all the time. We make inferences. We hear one person's story and then we function with that data until we get more information and go. It's not you as an individual and a human being can't just turn into a robot where it's like, oh, logical information. Uh, is it tangible? Is it recreatable? Is it falsified? You're not going to live your life that way. Okay. I certainly don't. I know what I value at the end of the day. If we're talking about big things, it's yeah, things have to lock up and go a certain way. But the truth is if you can just get to a point where for me, I like have an internal process of organizing things, like how much credibility I put into different information that comes at me. Cause I get information from a dozen different directions. Like you know, when I'm at work or, or when I'm doing interactions with people. And it's so I just like, I've learned to really take things with a grain of salt and embrace the concept of trust, but verify. I might trust that somebody told me the truth, but I would double check it if I get the opportunity, because I know that just that person's word about it, even if they are being honest and I believe they're being truthful, there's still the propensity that they could have gotten something wrong. And so if I get the opportunity, I would verify that. And that has nothing to do with distrusting the person. It just has to do with trying to make good decisions for myself. And I also think the magnitude of it. Yeah. If you and I were having a conversation and you said, oh, yeah, that car was purple. And I thought for sure the car was yellow. 
It doesn't, who cares? It doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. But if you're like, Isaac, you should put all your money from this type of an account to this type of account Uh because I'm at a bank now and and I'm learning these things. Okay. I trust you, Uh but I need to give that a little bit more effort before switching over finances or whatever it may be. And it's just, that's a low hanging example. But I think when it comes to religion is that we sometimes can feel like it's innocuous when it's not. Yeah. And it can be really sneaky. It It, it is an important decision. It isn't mm-hmm. uh, something to just be taken lightly. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that's one of the core elements that I try to get to when I'm going about talking about like good evidence, bad evidence. And for me to loop this back around, because we were talking about pillars of why I left is that my first pillar was truth. The second one was the poor evidence that I came across. So I learned to value truth and I, beyond just valuing the truth in of itself, I value the process of seeking it. So I, I developed a process of like how I can, as flawed as I may be, the best ways I can go about trying to seek that stuff. And when I developed the value for that, that made the second pillar of why I left religion which was the poor evidence that they were functioning off of become very apparent. I remember, and you talk about this in the, in the guide, but I remember you talking about going to your family and saying, Hey, I feel like the Titanic is sinking. I'm uh-huh. trying to tell everybody, you uh-huh. know, yes, but no one was really listening to you. And in that time frame, when you were deconverting, and you did go to your family and you're like, hey, I don't think this is true. I don't buy into this. The mm-hmm. Things aren't making sense. Do you remember any of the poor evidence that they gave you to counteract that? Okay, this is a complicated question. There was some pushback and like evidence, but it mainly was referring me to other people. And stuff. And so they were like trying to angle me into like Christian apologetics, like you should read this book. You should read this. So so at once they were leading me back to that. And listen, I did read all that stuff. Ran into all the same problems we were just talking about. Poor arguments, poor evidence, all of that kind of stuff. Confirmation bias, all kinds of things. So I didn't find anything compelling going the other direction. But in the process of them doing that. The other thing that manifested itself was the realization that they truly just believe this stuff on blind faith because they had limited to no personal experience or knowledge about the text, about arguments for or against for things that they have believed their entire adult lives. And so there was no like, okay, Noah's Ark happened here. There's scientific proof no there's this is where the ark landed i couldn't have an intelligent conversation with them about it or if i attempted to i got pushed back and ridiculed for my knowledge on everything and i've addressed that on here before too yeah is that the counter if i push back with counter argument my famous one for my dad was like well you're just so smart you're stupid which is basically saying i don't know anything or a way to argue with you about this and i don't want to so i'm just going to demean your intelligence so yeah that that was a big part of me being like, whoa, something is wrong because they just don't, they don't even know anything about this. And of what? course, this kind of thing has devolved into bad behavior. Speaking to our listeners and our people deconverting now and me 
mentioning earlier, a lot of people are leaving because of the emotional side of this. That lack of knowledge, it's almost become, to me, it's like a trope of a lot of Christianity now that they almost take pride in their ignorance. Because what they do is they're not interested in changing my mind. They're not interested in saving me even anymore. I don't think people are interested in me coming back to the Lord. They just want me to be condemned and wrong, and they want to be right. So they have reached a point where they will not even engage with me. So there's no education. There's no knowledge base. There's no nothing on their side to even engage with me on it. And then they wear that as a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. that melts that like melts my brain but for those of you who are deconverting if you go down this intellectual route of the arguments and philosophy and like some of the stuff that you don't expect to go over and meet some freaking you're not going to run into william lane craig all every other day in the christian community who's actually well read and knows some of his shit i disagree with what he his thoughts on it but at least he knows it the average christian doesn't know any christian apologetics mm. they just don't And they don't have enough knowledge about our position to even, they can't even spar. And that's telling to me. Were you genuinely surprised when there wasn't that evidence? Did you honestly go, oh, surely, oh, okay, surely there's cross-reference texts. Surely there's artifacts throughout history. Surely Uh there's, there's something of substance. Were you suspicious of it or were you just genuinely shocked? I was, God, it's been so long now, it's hard to think about it, but I was, I know that I I felt like I was in denial for a little bit, and I think that in those first realizations of that sort of thing was when I felt the most, what if you're wrong, the, all of the whispers of what if you're wrong, and, you and go going hell. to hell, and all of those things, like my worry and my fear manifested a little bit in the quiet of my home, reading books and stuff. And then something else was inside me that said, why should you believe something just because you're afraid? What else in the world wants you to do that? Anything else in the world that wants you to believe in it or else, or because you're afraid of it, even amongst Christians, things that do that sort of things are considered evil. You think about totalitarianism or absolute authority inside of governments and those types of things. That's not – you don't think that's a good thing. And I got over the fear pretty quick when I had that. But that was – those moments when I had fear was when I was looking at this going, holy shit, there's nothing. There there is nothing here. And if I – This is a house of cards. And if I let this house of cards fall – According to everybody else, I'm fucked. I might be going to hell. I might be going to hell. (laughs) And that's, and that's obviously a tactic. So let's, I'm going to play the next video in this section because we did address it and we talked about faith-based evidence and the issue with faith-based evidence. Sure. Let's do it. Now it's important to mention faith once again, just briefly before we begin. It is remarkable how religious believers will argue their quote-unquote evidence when the foundation of their belief is through faith, which is the absence of evidence. Evidence shouldn't matter, and yet they will argue their evidence poor as it is into the ground. I myself am guilty of this as well. Despite believing in faith, I also simultaneously believe that I had some form of evidence to support my belief in God. So do most believers. As I started my study of the Bible, I was certain there was going to be some tangible evidence to back up its claims. 
when we talk about literal evidence for the authenticity of the Bible, we arrive in murky territory. The Bible attempts mainly to validate itself with itself, a concept called circular reasoning. My attempts to find other evidence outside through archaeology or perhaps cross-validation through other historical documentation failed. I was left empty-handed. Making matters worse was this growing realization of the dramatic difference between the evidence I was seeking versus the evidence Christian apologetics was presenting. The primary problem that I ran into with the evidence for Christianity was that it did not satisfy my now revised standard of evidence. Much of the evidence produced by believers was the exact opposite of the standard I had set. Instead of tangible, it was circumstantial. In many cases, it was based on a singular or personal event that was not reproducible. And under no circumstance could it be shown to be wrong, so no falsifiability. Just a bit worse, believers would use the fact that it was not a falsifiable idea as further validation for it being true. It would go a little like this. Well, you can't prove to me that God doesn't exist. That means he must. This statement brings me to the final pillar of why I left religion. I really like that video. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I wanted to bring up, and you had brought this to, to my attention, was that trying to prove God is real while also having faith is oxymoronic. Yes. And the reason why is because the definition of faith is a strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. Yes. So if you're believing something on faith. Yes. But at the same time, trying to say there's evidence. evidence. <laughs> yes. You're trying to have your cake and eat it too. That's exactly. That's what the big problem with Christian science where it's almost better to say it's almost better for the Christian's perspective or angle or argument to just say, Hey, actually there is no proof. That's why it's called faith. Yes. That's actually a more honest position to, to imbibe. But it, I think that there's a cool thing to point out here is that as I mentioned earlier, right before we played the video, how if you engage with Christians, they typically don't know a lot of this kind of stuff. It's, I think of a lot of the reason for the breakdown of communication over these types of having these types of engagements is because Christian science has done Christianity dirty. And the reason being is exactly what you point out. Instead of just learning to imbibe it as a faith, they think that their faith is rational. Mm -hmm. And when faith by definition is irrational. Okay. And to compound it, they think that they have all these little antidotes that are scientific when they're not scientific. And so they get this false sense of security, like they've got more backing them up. I felt that too, as I pointed out in this. But when you go into a boxing match, you've been set up for failure with someone that understands the stuff that I'm talking about, because we will box you out of the court. And that. Christianity over the last three decades has really gotten into that. And what happened was, is I felt like that we maybe went through a time period here where there was more interaction and there was clashing over these ideas and the Christians, as the internet expanded and life went on, they've had to retreat and give so much ground. They don't even want to have the conversation anymore. We really saw that in that documentary about the, the, 
Jewish group in uh-huh. New York. Yeah. That documentary, they were not happy with yeah. the internet. Yeah. So we're like, so we're, we end up boxing ourselves into where we've kind of gone to our corners here and neither side wants to come to the middle ground to try and understand anymore because the middle ground is so dominated by our ideas being free thought and non-belief and our ideas are so strong especially in the light of the world that we're in right now that they bleed ranks and that is the other thing that's contributing to a lack of communication is that we are growing so fast people are jumping ships so fast i don't think religion will ever die it's just unrealistic to think that, but it may become severely diminished, especially over the next couple decades. And so that makes them more afraid. It makes them more chaotic evil, if you will, because they think we're freaking destroying the world. And through the prism with which they, through which they choose to look, they think that's true. And so we've had a complete breakdown of communication regarding a lot of this stuff. But for me, when I was leaving, that's like the evolution of where I've come to after deconversion and stuff. But at the time when I was doing that, once you realize the dichotomy of that and the oxymoron of faith-based evidence or Christian science and all that stuff, it just is like... Well, the definition makes sense. Yeah. So the secular definition for faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Perhaps faith in, let's say, without blending those two definitions together, is there anything that you do believe on faith? Me? Yeah. I want to say no. The only thing, because we also have the linguistic aspect of this, I would be caught it would be easy to catch me doing the turn of phrase that like, say, I have faith Isaac will be at dinner tonight. Okay. Right. Like we have faith in people. We have this. And, I have faith this chair is going to hold and, my And butt. really, it's it really, we should be replacing the word with confidence because what I really have is confidence that's based in evidence and my experience with you that you're going to do things even though I can't completely verify that you're going to do something like that. But linguistically, we still use the term faith for to, to insinuate those sorts of things. They're a little bit more less tangible. But is there anything in my life that I believe in a compl- like fervently in a complete vacuum with no evidence just because I want to? Aliens. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Maybe. Just because I Aliens want to. Are real. I've got to have one for fun. And I, but here's the thing. I'm I don't I don't I don't believe it like it's literal. I just leave the open space for it. Like yeah. we always come back around to this one. But it's like that I and I say that in jest because that affects my life in no fucking way. It doesn't do anything. Yet. Yet. <laughs> but I wouldn't there's nothing in my life that I would put so much stock in that way. Because to me, it's setting myself up for failure. And I've watched so many other people fail with it. And we've had the alien conversation. And the thing is, neither one of us have been, I'm a a thousand percent sure. I studied it. I studied it. I studied it. (laughs) I studied the aliens. And I'm a thousand percent sure. Yeah. If I see one alien cup in this auditorium, (laughs) one. But the thing is, is we have fun talking about it. But. Neither one of us is like, this is the sword I'm going to fall on. We're not making actionable decisions in our life based upon faith. We're making actionable decisions based off of our experience, our knowledge, 
our understanding of the world and with a healthy dose, hopefully, of the propensity for us to be wrong so that we can avoid problems. This is, I'm going to vent. Can I vent for a minute? That's the whole reason we created this thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that, that's the whole reason we get God, together God. once or twice a week and record. So, okay. I, did I, you not know this? Yeah. I got it. I got it. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Here's my vent for just a second. I have a I have a new job. I'm not going to go into specifics of it because of just for the same reason that we don't with any of it. It's going really well for me. I've had a great experience so far. I'm meeting really cool people. I have a cool track. I already have a clear like kind of vision of what I would like to do. I'm really happy it hasn't really interfered with us doing any of this. It's been a little rough like having to do all the training and everything, but I'm really enjoying it. It's going great. Finally, my family has something respectable that I'm doing that they want to be proud of me about. Yeah. They're <laughs> like calling calls you. from family members and texts and all, oh, we're so happy for you and we're so glad you're doing this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, like I've been fucking doing nothing the last two and a half years. Like I've been doing nothing. And I'm like, it's so there's a little Do they part call you of- about the podcast or the milestones or uh, the oh the, no like the, us getting to do cool things like meet Seth Andrews and freaking go to conferences and all the cool people we've talked to all the projects that we have that are still going that are still like dedicated elements of our life Nobody, no phone calls no phone calls you get nothing. this new job i get this new like run of the mill because listen this is just this is a normal thing and i'm it's fun for me because it's this huge catch 22 because I'm getting to apply a lot of my business knowledge and my professionalism that I've developed over years of my life as an adult. Now I'm going into this workforce, like getting to apply it in a different way and I'm doing really good at it. And yeah, I having a little bit of, yeah, good on you. Good job. That's awesome. We're happy for you. That's great. But it's glaringly apparent the void where there was none of that shit. And then all of a sudden there's some because it's something that they feel like they can take. Yeah. I don't know that it's more normal for them. Sure. And that just like for, I'm just like, Tim, I'm so glad you're doing something with your life. (laughs) Fuck you, Isaac. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of podcasting. Yeah. 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 I'm glad you got a real job. That I had, one's a, my I had a funny little interaction with one of my family members that was just like, "Did they, do they know about your other project? Because is that a conflict of interest?" And I was like, "A should- conflict of interest?" I was like, "What? Well, maybe the church wants its money." <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was just like, "It, it is two financial institutions." Well, I, I can tell you this. I can tell you this unabashedly. And, and a lot of people that have called me up to check on me about the other stuff that it's all great. It's legit. I'm happy. It's fine. But there's a part of that. I know that there's like a, a demographic out there that's, oh, I hope that this becomes Tim's main thing and he doesn't do any of the podcast or any of these other things he's talking about. He just lets go. Yeah. They oh, want that. To it be- was a phase. It was a phase. It, his, his, yeah. uh, it went through. Obviously, it didn't get any traction because God is real. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it it sucks when you know that there's something you really care about in your life that you want to be successful and you want to contribute and do something in, and that there are people in your life that actively would like to see that fail. Mm-hmm. 
or not go places. Sure. And uh, because they just disagree with you so vehemently about it. And ironically, no, nothing, no, none of the details about it, you know? So, I mean, it's not like they understand. I'm so proud of you for all your accomplishments. (laughs) Well, thank you, Isaac. I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just so glad you got a real job. That shit makes me, that's the one that gets me. Because even though industry codes hasn't made millions, like I was planning on it. It's still, it brings it's, in the cheddar. It, it brings, brings in, in some money. It brings in some cheddar. Yeah. Maybe it's mild cheddar. It's not very sharp cheddar, <laughs> but it, it brings in some cheddar. The, yeah. yeah. It is It is funny how that communication will change based on, and it obviously shows that the, the they approve, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, we approve of the, the what you're doing right now. Yeah. It, it It's reflective. I was telling Leah the other night, it can suck because, dude, when you get that type of approval and that cheering you on, it feels that good. shit's awesome. That's like addictive. It's like that's all I want here, you know. I it's why I always make sure I try to be like encouraging. Like when I was at training this last week, we had another younger guy, he was like 25 years old, super not you and I would have killed to have that kind of a kid as an employee working for us. Hungry is the word that you use. He's hungry. Yeah. He's ready to learn. He had a rough uh, childhood, rough background, had some gr- I went to lunch with him like three times last week and just had great conversations. And I, I just, I've stuck with him like glue. We're learning the exact same thing because we're new at the level we're going in. And I was like, dude, you've got this. This is no big deal. Because to me, this stuff is, it's just, I just have to learn the technical stuff because I have all that confidence. I have management. This kid doesn't have anything. Yeah. And so he's just building from the ground up. And I was like, you got it. Don't sweat it. Because I know that affirmation and that kind of like stuff, it's important. It really freaking matters. We were talking last night and you were like, man, how did you, I don't know how you did it. I don't know how you put in those 18 uh-huh. to 20 hour days. I don't know how you stayed up all night. I don't know how yeah, you pushed you, yourself. You were on a whole nother level. Man. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And I said, I said, it's easy, man. I'm still the poor kid. Uh, I, I'm still the, I'm still the poor kid living in the trailer park trying to get my way out. Yeah. And you were like, I'm still the, well, I can't remember exactly what you said, but you're like, I'm uh, still the little boy trying to get his parents approval. His parents approval. Yeah. yeah. And that stuff sticks with you. It I does. Mean, it, just, it follows us around. Yeah, exactly. And and deconversion is just so tough because a lot of, if, if you're lucky enough to be getting any of that already, deconversion can affect the flow of that. Yeah, exactly. The last video that you had was poor arguments yes from the other side we're not going to do that but if you want to watch the course <laughs> the guide because i think that's a really great yeah that could be a whole nother podcast oh yeah it could be itself. a whole nother thing but yeah thanks for letting me catch you off guard oh, okay yeah i because i had no idea what we we're going to podcast about today i was like i'll just i'll follow you your lead it's all good <laughs> yeah i was like man it'd be you know what let's go through let's go through this let's get into the nitty-gritty of some yeah, of this and we had talked about we're going to do some more like this or, or especially as the guy comes out right now if you would like to watch the rest of that yourself that uh, everything we played for you okay. there's a link and we'll you just 
throw your email in there and we'll send you one, but it's going to be live. We're working on the website for it right now. And we're going to ho- hopefully have that live next month sometime. Yeah. So, so then that's going to light off and it is free by the way. Everybody, yeah, it you, is, yeah. We're not like trying to pitch you something you have to pay for. All, all that work will be free. You just ask for it and we'll get it to you. All right, man. That might've been the best one yet. Who knows? Oh, we're back. So it has to be good. Yeah, it has, it has to be. No more getting sick. I hate being sick, dude. Yeah, no more losing losing voices. Yeah, that was bad, dude. I was like, holy shit, it's gone. You were like, <laughs> I would have been a horrible po- I don't know. Maybe it would have been the best podcast yet. I don't know. <laughs> no, Everybody no. would have thought it was if funny. If you lost your voice, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Get out of here. All right. Everybody Later. have a good week. We'll be back next week. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Deconversion Podcast. We're so happy you joined us. Please like, share, and subscribe, and we'll see you on the next episode.